0: This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network.
1: Hey there, Thunder buddies and travellers down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to the of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network and powered by LargeManAppears.com. I'm your host, the one ring on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan. And I am joined, as always, by my faithful co-host, Staggerly Maloney. How are you this week?
2: I'm good, good. Um, feels like a very short turnaround between shows this week. So, uh, it's like we've actually only been talking like what two days two days ago three days ago
1: yeah yeah we don't want to bullshit y'all with the the inside baseball of uh, haven't seen you in ages buddy and it was like two nights ago that we recorded our patreon show for for this week yeah um so. which by the way just as a plug 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 for largemanappears.com uh for five Europeans i think one of my favorite shows we've ever done i think in terms have- of like
2: Absolutely uh, my favorite Patreon show we've done.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely in terms of like, I don't know. I think I might have had more crack doing like maybe the Jesse Ventura story or something like more fun doing some of them at the movies shows. But in terms of like the content we watched, um, especially wrestling wise, I don't think we've had a better show like because we we watched... A selection of six matches picked by uh, our friend and yours, Mark Buggledy of Must See Matches. Uh, we did a Must See mixtape uh, of matches that by and large we hadn't seen before. Um, and we just gushed for about an hour and a half about uh, our new favourite wrestler, Dump Matsumoto. Um, and a couple of other great highlights in that. So if, if you were thinking about a month to sign up, um, that's a pretty good podcast to start with. That that's fresh up there. So that's my plug, plug, plug out of the way, shameless as I am.
2: Um, um speaking of plugs, I think uh, we should plug our new Blue Sky account as well.
1: Oh yeah, you're you're bringing us into the the brave new digital horizon. Are you are you sick of uh posting about us on X?
2: I didn't realize it was changing name to X until this morning when. Um, it was all over Twitter that the X team was happening and I was just like okay
1: well, well it's funny because you, you say it's changed to X but it's still twitter.com everything still says twitter the button still says tweet the only thing that's really changed properly as far as anyone can see is the logo the, de- <laughs> so the de-
2: desktop logo isn't it
1: um, yeah the desktop logo like he tried to change the logo on the building but the police stopped him <laughs>
2: Okay, so yeah, the story is they tried to change the logo. They began taking down the Twitter logo. Yeah. And um, Elon, in his infinite wisdom, had not got any permits to have this done on the street.
1: Yeah. And and if you've, I, I don't know if you've ever been to San Francisco, Lee, and seen where Twitter's headquarters is.
2: I have not and have not.
1: Okay, it is in the middle of the busiest street in San Francisco. So it's not like, it's not an easy spot to get a bunch of like, like cherry pickers and stuff to pull down a massive Twitter sign, you're going to cause disruption, permits or no. Um, it's uh, very funny, just a classic example of like when you get to a certain level of wealth, there's a delusion that takes over, and you don't understand why you can't do things.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the perfect description is that you don't need to be smart when you're born on turd because. Hey, shit just happens and you don't right. understand how the world actually works. Um yeah. but yes, anyway, we are on Blue Sky, it's at wcw dot social.
1: hmm Really rolls off the tongue, doesn't it?
2: It it look, it it's not ideal for doing plugs, but look, it yeah. it seems to be the the forerunner at the moment of the Twitter replacement apps.
1: Yeah, we're still, for people that don't know, uh, we're still unable to get a Threads account because Threads is unavailable in the EU. Is it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it it still has to go through some, like, I don't know if it's, like, data protection specifics or whatever, but it still has to go through a certification process to be available here. Um, So our UK friends and our US friends could be threading it up left, right and centre. And as soon as we do have access, I probably will. Seeing as I usually do the Instagram stuff, I'll set us up on Threads. Um. So, but don't hold your breath because the EU does not move at a pace that we would uh, we would consider ideal. That's for sure.
2: I I had no idea that the EU had no Threads um, access. So that <laughs> yeah. tells you how yeah. much I, I I use Instagram. So,
1: social media maven Lee alone there. <laughs> um. Yeah, um, Lee, I just wanted to check in with you as well. We are, uh, as we are recording this, uh, a month away from All In Weekend, uh, which is set to be our first time seeing each other in person and also our first wrestling show either of us have gone to in three and a half years. Yeah, and I'm
2: hopeful that in three and a half years from now, the half of this card won't have been banished from
1: wrestling, like the last card we went to. <laughs> oh yeah, the last card we both went to just It's not worth speaking about, is yeah, it? Yeah, well, well,
2: in certain terms, um, I
1: I remember even at the time it wasn't a great show. And then I can't
2: I can't even remember what was on the card, but I do know a lot of the people that were present were yes <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure, good people. Um. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of, I'm not sweating what the cards will be because I have every faith that AEW are going to put on a great show. Um, yeah. I'm more just looking forward to being surrounded by good friends and having a good time at a wrestling show for the first time in three and a half years.
1: Yeah, I like, I think AEW have this habit of like, they they don't build pay-per-views in a way that I would if I had the book sometimes everything feels a bit like last minute um but it has been a long time since they've they've put on a pay-per-view where I'm like well that was not worth my time at all <laughs> you know the mo- the most recent pay-per-view was like a little bit like not forbidden door the most recent was a was it revolution uh it would have been revolution before that yes Yeah, where I was just like, look, it wasn't, you know, firing on all cylinders 2021-2022 AEW. But, like, it's still... You're trying to remind yourself that, like, it's still more enjoyable and accessible than any WWE show I've watched in a long time. It's like, even when I get down on episodes of Dynamite and Collision, I'm just like, I need to remind myself that they have set themselves a very high bar so that even a disappointing one of them is still better than anything I've got from the other crowd in ages. Yeah. Um. No, um, f- um sorry, correction. It would have been
2: Double or Nothing. I'm just looking at the calendar. Double or, yeah, double or Nothing, R-0-ing. that's it. Yeah, yeah Revolution yeah. Revol- was early in the Revolution year. rocked. Didn't yeah, it? It had, had this, the Iron Man match.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Um... So uh yeah, I I'm really excited for that. Hopefully send off in the, the tweets or whatever if you're a Thunder buddy and you're you're gonna be at Wembo. And if you do see us, please stop us, say hello. We'd be happy to to have a chat. Um I'm looking forward to meeting some of our our, our Voices of Wrestling colleagues uh in person for the first time as well. Um and to see some some friends we haven't seen in a long time.
2: Yeah, it's so it's gonna be plenty of um old and new faces to meet at uh over over the course of that weekend and um hopefully a couple of us will be taking in some English football league action at some stage
1: as well. Yeah. If and, if you're somebody uh, that's travelling from abroad or from far away, um there is a good bit of football on in London that weekend. So like it, it no trip to, to me to, to London is complete without going seeing, even if it's like absolute dog shit, lower league football. Um like there was a time I travelled to London about twelve years ago and the only game that was on in London was um Barnet versus Macclesfield. Genuinely the worst game of football I've ever seen in my life, but I had a great time. <laughs> it's not always about the football on show,
2: it's more about the the time that shall be had enjoying it. Yes, it's
1: the community, isn't it? Or, yes. Uh, around us. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Just a bit of months to go, and I'm certainly, like, counting down the days in work, uh, for sure, when I get to take that big weekend off. Um, Look, we, we've we held off enough, Lee. Uh, shall we get into this episode of Thunder? Let's do it. This is Thunder episode 72 from Malene, Illinois, Mickey J's hometown uh, the 22nd of July 1999 got us a 2.6 rating, which was a big jump from last week's Wednesday Thunder, up by 0.5 in the ratings. So um, I, I know it's been it's it's often been a, a talking point of live versus taped. Um, but you can see that even when it's probably more so a thing back in the 90s, I, I would say that. When something becomes regular appointment viewing, you know it's in this time slot. It's every week. It's part of my habit. It's part of my must see TV list. Mm-hmm. Um, when you move the time or move the day, big drop, regardless of content.
2: Yeah, a lot. A lot of people have trouble understanding that things do change time or channel or day depending on other events going on in the world. And uh, yeah, it just it just seems to be wrestling, especially. Suffers from this. People will not, will not change from their routine to keep up with the show. Um, yeah. But like uh, somebody, somebody was talking about the collision rating this morning, and yeah. they were saying, "Oh, that that's you know a, a big rating and a big." Um, what's the, the the share the demographic, demo yeah. number? And I was like, "Well, maybe like I know it's only been five or six weeks, but." You have to assume that already there are people that are just in the habit. Saturday Saturday night is now just collision for them. Saturday night is all right for fighting, yeah, you might say. That's it, exactly, but um, yeah, no wrestling fans seem to be creatures
1: of habits more than
2: any other uh, yeah. species of fan that I'm aware of.
1: Yeah, and I've even noticed uh, a bit of a trend that there is like it's not as big a dip. But there's a little bit of a dip sometimes when it's it becomes apparent that it's not a live thunder um and I think that's another thing that like it was coveted a little bit in the nineties um wrestling wasn't so much included now wrestling is included in that like any sort of live television uh has this kind of special quality to it as far as networks are concerned because mm-hmm. it will anything that's live will pop a, an additional X amount of percent in a rating as opposed to something that's taped it's it's the FOMO people hate to miss out on something live like um, I mean I'm the same
2: I, I can't watch back a football match I cannot record a football match and then like 3 hours after it ends go, go sit down and watch it
1: yeah I, I mean I if I didn't if I was somehow able to avoid the result I might be able to but you're right that we're so conditioned by sports that like you watch it live or you watch the highlights that night. Mm-hmm. You don't watch the full thing after the fact, when you know what happened. Um, It's funny to try and apply that logic to wrestling where, you know, like it's, it's worked, <laughs> you know, but it is, it is true. There is a certain element to that. Like if you're, if you didn't catch it in the moment and you weren't there to experience it as a live phenomenon, it is kind of, you you missed the magic special. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, this is the first... Um, congratulations, Lee. This is the first uh, show of the the Sting presidential reign. Do you feel different? A whole new world has dawned. Uh, do you feel like we are never going to have a, a struggle for power again?
2: I, I'm glad that finally the, the power within WCW has been consolidated onto one man, finally. And yes. we can put to bed the any aspirations that anybody else had of
1: making matches um yeah and having any power it's all about sting now it's all about sting and as we all know until the dying day of wcw sting would remain the press <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure he makes a true monday i <laughs> uh, yeah i'm not i like i don't know how long it goes but it's so short that until the match happened on nitro i forgot that sting was ever the president of the company. Um uh, and I was watching around this time so it's not like I came to it after the fact. I I just
2: wish that Sting was more of his TNA self at this point so we could add Sting in full face paint shown up in like a half half suit wrestling
1: gear kind of combo and could his uh like would his bird have been the VP? Yeah, sure why not. Yeah, it'd have to be surely. Um Tane says, uh, "Oh yeah, they do the bit at the start where Tane is running down the show, and Larry has to go get his kudos. But they kind of have to work it that the fans are calling for it. Today is like you can't deny the people, Larry, but people weren't really chanting for I think Larry was, this like, week. Two people gone yeah, <laughs> yeah, may have been members of the Zabisco family. Cannot confirm. <laughs> um,
2: it may have just been the production hands, just like." We have to let him have his fucking moment.
1: Larry, I'm not letting him off the hook for this, says uh, during the opening bit where he's like, it's great, like, a new day has dawned, uh, the men who deserve title shots will get them. I was like, it wasn't that long ago, it was only a couple of episodes ago where he was like, these young jobbers, fuck them.
2: (laughs) I mean, he pretty much (laughs) much changes his attitude as soon as Flair comes out in the main event.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute, absolute snake, this lad. <laughs> um, our main event tonight is Dean Malenko versus Ric Flair. Um, so the the idea is Ric Flair is not present anymore, so uh, Sting is going to make him suffer by putting him against the people he's been trying to dodge and play the numbers game against this whole time, starting with Dean. Our opening encounter is a classic. Uh, put two names in a hat and pull them out. Uh, of Van Hammer versus Kaz Hayashi um, I have to say that Van Hammer has added a baseball cap to his look with his singlet Uh, which I don't know why Lee but it makes his outfit about I don't know 20% more lewd <laughs> because it's like it. Have, wearing the baseball cap accentuates the fact he has no pants on and don't ask me why but it does yeah I
2: can't be the only one that notices how close to the crotch his singlet ends.
1: Mm-hmm. Like that he, is he, a a high line.
2: his, his attire is basically ninety-nine percent toy.
1: Yeah. I he he sat back he sat backstage with the WCW seamstress and he goes I'm looking for gear that says I'm I'm a heavy metal professional wrestler, but also look at my penis. <laughs> And you know what? <laughs> he achieved that goal. And to be fair, it does say across his stomach, hammer.
2: So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, as a
1: great as a great man once said, the hammer is my penis. <laughs> um.
2: Um, yeah. I mean look, you, you mentioned it before we started recording. You absolutely loved this match.
1: I would, look you are you're trying to throw me under a bus here. I didn't love this match at all, right? You you I, are one... raving,
2: raving, I would say, over <laughs> no. how phenomenal Van Hammer was in this performance. <laughs> oh, Just to do like to do, I mean full-on full
1: remain of my reputation. Full-on we need to strap up Van Hammer right now. Absolute sham of a man you are. No, what I said was this is the most aggressively fine passable Van Hammer match I can remember. So on the Van Hammer scale, it's five stars because a possible match that I can't give out too much about is way beyond my expectations for Van Hammer in 1999, I have to say.
2: I mean, you're praising his work, his hat,
1: his penis.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get the feeling he's he's Van Hammer has replaced Mike Enos for you. <laughs>
1: Um, the the Vans Hammer alert. <laughs> um,
2: listen, I I just there's, think there's your
1: episode title.
2: <laughs> you you need to own just how much you you uh you are into the hammer right now.
1: <laughs> what what happens is, and look, Kaz Hayashi like. Of all the guys you could send out into a squash like we were I was kind of making fun of this is just two random names it's such a weird but like Kaz is such a talented wrestler and bumps around and makes people look like a million dollars that if you're gonna have like an opening squash match against somebody like much as I think Kaz should be in a more prominent position this is a pretty good guy to make you look good you know you would have to be some kind of sucky wrestler not to have a bit of shine against kaz um like i'm trying to think uh, like the maybe the only people we would be down on in a in a kaz hayashi match at this stage would be like rick steiner or uh, in your case specifically still at this stage fit finley yeah probably yeah, probably actually yeah um we get a big gorilla press slam from uh, Van Hammer straight off uh, at the top of the match, which is incorrectly. today was having a, a strange night at the office uh, for calling moves wrong because he calls this a power slam, which was very disappointed in, in the <laughs> professor here. Uh, although this is before he gets his doctorate in wrestling. He's still just Iron Mike today at this stage. I, I, mean, I
2: mean, look, you've had you've had your first taste of Scott Hudson. Everybody else is going to be compared to that now.
1: Is it, well, is it that like Hudson's got his time on TV now, so everyone else is rattled and they're <laughs> off their game? I'd love that to be true. This guy's coming for my job. <laughs> um. So Kaz uh, gets him down, but Hammer, uh, Hammer does the classic uh, monster spot of like uh, getting covered, but then uh, pressing the guy off and out of the ring at one. Uh, Hammer just manhandling him in the corner whip, corner clothesline dumps him out to the floor uh, runs him back first into the apron uh, Hayashi kind of like takes a while to recover uh, but pulls uh Van Hammer down to the floor through the ropes uh, runs in, hits a snapmare and an elbow drop I was actually surprised that Van Hammer is capable of taking a snapmare bump I don't know why I just thought a man that big and awkward would like snap both hamstrings well I mean we see later on
2: somebody that doesn't take a snapmare bump so we know it's not yeah. the the members of the power plant aren't exactly well trained in this kind of stuff
1: no um, one of the like what you would imagine would be a basic of wrestling yeah, skill. Yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah, it's like you're doing running the ropes tackle drop down and snap snapmares <laughs> like those are the, no one can fuck that up right um yeah uh standing elbow dropped from kaz but it doesn't keep van hammer down uh huge beel off the top rope and then clubbing blows to the chest and then uh does the kind of like the pulling at the face bit but it really looks like van hammer's doing a gotcha nose on kaz <laughs> which i i really appreciate i'd love a wrestler doing a gotcha nose bit uh as a regular shtick um Kaz fights back with boots and punches. And then I, I think maybe one of the biggest pops I got all night. Uh, the classic like smaller man in a match. Feeling his oats a bit too much. Kaz goes to powerbomb Van Hammer. And he's got a great reaction from Mike today. And a great reaction from the crowds. I, I
2: have to say. I'll give them credit. The crowd were into this match.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Like what's funny is like he, he went to go for the powerbomb. And the crowd bought that he was actually going to do it.
2: I don't think that could like po- be possible.
1: Yeah, it, it was very much like a, a precursor to the hurricane choke slamming, like people like big to show. Yeah, the yeah, yeah.
2: Um, like I did the, the the dynamics of Kaz trying to powerbomb Hammer. I don't think Kaz could maneuver a person as long and gangly as Van Hammer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think if he got up on his shoulders, his legs would still be dragging. Yeah, like, it just
2: I don't think it would work.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Hammer easily back body drops out of that. Um, Kaz gets another opportunity, hits a missile dropkick, goes for the senton, but oh man, this was a, like, you have a bruised tailbone level of commitment to the senton. He broke his hole on this. He really fucked himself up. Uh, he just like he goes for everything uh, on this senton and just bounces off his air somehow. I out. always forget that Kaz's
2: finish was a senton. Um
1: yeah. like and that a, se- a senton like that, a very basic senton, was still a, a high spot at this time. Yeah, it, it's
2: odd. Like it's a, at the time a kind of it's still a, a high high risk maneuver, shall we say. But looking at it now, it's just yeah. like... the like Kaz is supposed to be one of the top cruise in the world. And he's doing a fucking cent on.
1: Yeah. Um, Van Hammer hits him with a... a like a... An Alabama Slammer type job. Um, he does some big poses. Uh, hits his Cobra Clutch Slam and wins. Weird that, like you said, not the only uh, unusual snapmare spot on the show. But he's also not the only uh, wrestler using a Cobra Clutch Slam on the show. Uh, The agenting in WCW, once again, impeccable. Uh, He wins, and as I wrote here, uh, not bad, which is pretty much the most you could expect from Van Hammer, and then some at this stage. What
2: what did you think of Van Hammer's little moment in the camera after the match? What was it he was saying? He says, Cobra Clutch. Once you meet it, you never forget it.
1: I'm mean, going to tell you why I could see that slogan on T-shirts up and down the country. <laughs> Fucking hell! Um, next up we have Lenny and Lodi, who are very badly miked backstage. Um, and they're in a panic. Uh, they're wondering what they did to deserve this. Sneak preview, guys. They are in a match later on, a handicap match. The two of them against Sid vicious. You say Lenny and Lodi are in a panic. Yes, mm. I yeah, uh, mm, mm, indeed, sir, yeah. indeed. Um, we get our first of many nitro oh, flashbacks tonight. So like, there was a lot so of them. So many flashbacks. I mean, here we just had—we actually just have two back to back straight away. Um, we have uh, team madness imploding with Medusa and Miss Madness turning on each other. Uh, Larry on commentary stops all busts short of saying Jezebel here. Like, it's hitting all the the Jim Ross high spots for a traitorous woman. Um, and then we get the, the video package of the Dennis Rodman return. And I will say about that, Lee, is, like, I wouldn't have done two back-to-back video packages, but at least the first one, you understand why it's in this position on the show, because we're about to go into the Miss Madness match. Fair enough. And then... Dennis Rodman is a big star so at some point during the show you probably should show your thunder audience on TBS. Hey Dennis Rodman returned on Monday. This is probably why you should be watching Nitro. But again, it's the it's the placement of them back to back in association with another half dozen flashbacks later on that's the problem rather than I don't think you you would disagree that these are two packages that you should be putting up at some stage.
2: Yeah, I think if you had to put the an easier way of doing it would be do the Rodman flashback first of all and then do the the Mona and Medusa
1: flashback and then go straight into the the ladies match. Or you could even do you could do the 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 flashback of the women as an inset while the women are coming out. Very possible too. Um, Do you know what I mean? Like one of them. Um, But yeah, it's just the it's the positioning of, oh, we've got this amount of time to kill. Just dump it here. um That I, I don't appreciate. Yeah. um Right. So, this match. Match number two of my
2: Brandy Alexander and Miss Madness. Yes. This is the first WCW women's match we've had, isn't it?
1: Yes. I wrote that down. It is... um, It is the, the first ever women's match of any description uh, on this show it's certainly the first women's singles match I don't know if there was a match that was officially listed as not involving a woman but the like you know the way that the tag rules Well, WCW we, we, sometimes we, matches just become tag You had Charles and Gorgeous George well that yeah well that was a pay per view I kind of mean okay on Thunder, Thunder itself yeah
2: this is definitely the first
1: yeah um, we also have another first on this because I had a feeling you'd you'd catch that one, so I wanted to to one up you with a an interesting fact about this match, right? Do you want to hear it?
2: No, because you're gonna one up me. Go for it. <laughs> I am, yeah.
1: So Brandy Alexander has three televised WCW matches in her career. All of them are against Mona, and all of them are on Thunder. That's right, Lee. This is our first Thunder exclusive athlete.
2: <laughs> are we gonna make that thing now with Thunder exclusive
1: <laughs> athlete? <laughs> I don't think the list is gonna be that long. But yeah, sure. <laughs>
2: I, like so so they do this match three more times before Mona leaves.
1: So they do it they do it two, oh, sorry, more, two more times. Time. Sorry. Yeah, Mona has more matches than that, but all of Brandy's matches are against Mona. Uh, all over the next few weeks.
2: Yeah, because, like, Molly Holly is,
1: like, late 99, right? Oh, I no, I don't think she's that soon.
2: Well, I mean, the, the Molly spike angle is... No, oh, that's late 2001,
1: shit. Yeah, yeah, because, like, she's, she's... She's mighty Molly during the invasion. Okay. Um... So yeah, she she debuts in two thousand. Ah, okay. Um, valeting for Regal uh, in dark matches as Lady Ophelia.
2: So based basically Miss um, Madden's gimmick.
1: Yeah. So her debut on television is November 6, two thousand. Okay. Wow. That's um, shit. where she immediately goes into a short feud with Trish Stratus. Uh, so there you go. And yeah, she becomes Mighty Molly in September. So the the spike angle is like. 2001 uh and she turns on him then in september
2: fair enough yeah
1: there's so your there molly you know. holly history lesson molly holly deep dive there so yeah she has more matches uh coming up over the next while uh but brandy has like um she has a handful of dark matches like uh, not dark matches sorry house show matches around this time i think the majority of which are also against um Mona um, but yeah this is this is your lot for her uh, I'll just look it up yeah so yeah yeah she has four house show matches against Mona where Mona swept her for nothing um, and then she has um, oh yeah sorry she has this match then the four house show matches then we get another match between them in two back to back weeks in September Thunder 81 and Thunder 82 okay um, and then that's her well, lot. Um, I was just gonna say I
2: came away from this match pretty impressed with Bra- uh Brandy Alexander. I thought she was pretty good.
1: They should, they probably should have signed her. <laughs> like, um, but she actually only they according to Cage Match, which obviously like some of the really really small indie feds aren't gonna have absolutely everything. But after she finishes up in WCW, she only has 10 more matches. That seems uh, very very little. Oh, actually, sorry. She has a WCW worldwide match against Mona <laughs> as well in November. Uh, so after that, she only has eight more matches in her whole career. Uh, retires in 2002. Uh, but had been going since... Um, I think they said on the show, 1992. Cage match only goes back to 1994. Uh, and again, like, women's wrestling on the American Indies in the 90s. I don't know how well the uh, the record keeping on that is.
2: Yeah, I'm guessing it would have been, um, like, a lot of smaller NWA shows and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. But she was, like, pretty solid, wasn't she? And, like, Mona obviously becomes much better. And she's still blatantly green here. But, like, she's also not bad. Like, it's... For what I would have expected from how WCW treats women's wrestlers and how women's wrestling was at the time, by and large, in America, I was expecting this to be a lot worse. I, I hate
2: to do the comparison, but compared this match to what you were getting on a Raw or SmackDown with like Sable and Tori and um, like he, like Jackie was obviously a good wrestler, but was having to put up with a lot of crap. Same with Ivory. Like I thought this was a pretty yeah. solid match.
1: Yeah, like I have no it was unspectacular, but that in and of itself was quite something for this day and age and it wasn't like a something for the dads kind of match. They weren't like it was it's funny because it came up on Twitter this week, people talking about like the the old like pudding matches and stuff like that. So it wasn't anything that was meant for men to leer at or anything. Um, and it's funny because, like, um the match starts and it's a really cool effect that uh, Miss Madness has, like, a tear-off evening gown, which firstly reminded me of the hot cops in the wrestling <laughs> But secondly, like, it, it's basically to reveal evening, evening gown-style wrestling gear.
2: Yeah, it's like the, the um, top of her evening gown was actually a singlet
1: yeah now the only thing that would have made the reveal better is if when she had torn off she was wearing like wrestling boots like she had kick pads and stuff underneath (laughs) that would have been great um but she she wrestles barefoot against Brandy alexander who's like um yeah just like you said just fairly solid um gives the impression of being the veteran here um and the other thing that I was surprised about for this, because, again, it's a 1999 audience and we've heard what they're like with certain gimmicks and certain wrestlers and certain women. Miss um, Madness was over yeah. here and the crowd again was into this. I, I was stunned,
2: like she's getting Madness chants and everything. Um, yeah, no, it, yeah. it seems to be a thing of we're familiar with this this woman and we're going to cheer her on. And it was pretty impressive that they got the crowd into it to the to the degree they did. And again, I think Brandy Alexander deserves some credit because she was a pretty hateable heel.
1: Yeah. She, like, I think they started off not knowing how either one was going to be received. And as soon as it was obvious that they were super into Miss Madness, they really. Brandy hams up the heel Mm -hmm. part. And, like, they're exchanging holes. They're doing actual razzling. You know, there's a. There's a great spot in here where um, Brandy has a Boston Crab locked in and Miss Madness uh, reverses the the momentum and nearly rolls her up. Um, There's a a Gorilla Press off the top from Brandy, um, a sidewalk slam for two. And the other thing that I was kind of remarkable now, don't get me wrong. It's not like this went 20 minutes or anything like that. But it got a lot more time than I would have given WCW credit for trying to mm-hmm. give women's matches in 1999. Yeah, for sure. Um, um I, there- I genuinely don't know what the like, and, and somebody fill us in, like how many actual women's wrestling matches have even been on Nitro by now? Because it can't be that many.
2: You would have had maybe in '95 when Medusa was still. Taking on like kind of the the Japanese challenger of the month, uh, yeah, you might have got a couple, but I mean,
1: like into '96, I don't think you were getting much. No, and it's not like, and the other thing I don't want to set an expectation that there's gonna be this is gonna be the start of something that's gonna develop from this point because this is a rarity, <laughs> you know, it, and it remains a rarity. You're not gonna get a lot of women's matches that get time. And that don't have a, a leery male gaze quality to them in this company. So don't have that in your head that this is going to be like, oh my God, there was a women's revolution in 1999
2: and no one <laughs> <We're>, noticed. No. <laughs> we're, we're right on the cusp of Miss Hancock, Tori Wilson, and Pamela Polchak. And Mide- yeah, and, Mideja, and ma- Major and, Guns. And uh, Major Guns all being like the top women of the company.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, like the the only exception in the last like two years of this company is Daphne and she is by and large in, involved in wrestling again
2: yeah. and I, look I, I still think they could add something gorgeous George I'm I, 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 telling you it's a fucking match with Charles Robinson
1: yeah yeah we'll stand over that one as one of the essential WCW matches of the year I'm right mm-hmm. beside you on that one buddy um Head Scissors by Miss Madness and Miss Madness wins with a bridging suplex. I kind of would have preferred if it was like a bridging Northern Lights or something like that. Like a bridging vertical suplex is a bit of a weird... I
2: think she was going for a Northern Lights and she just didn't quite set up properly. It was very... Yeah, it was kind of um, underwhelming for a finish.
1: Yeah. Uh, but it got over. people. People enjoyed the match. People cheered for her and now she's very firmly a baby face and it would be re-established in a segment mm-hmm. later on that she is a baby face here um next up we have a singles match that was kurt hennig um with all his lads versus chase hayden with all his lads i thought it was weird that the cowboy dorks came out with no music like the thing about them is their music um yeah i, I don't
2: know if you noticed this but it seemed to happen on a couple of the entrances that uh the music hit very late and people were like halfway down the entrances by the time their music kicked in. It wasn't just the rednecks that seemed to have uh, production issues.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of weirdness going on in this show from a technical standpoint, I think. um, Hennig does a rambly promo that references Megadeth, which is, again, so funny for the... We don't want to go on our big rant again um, about the WWE Network, but it will be a recurring talking point. Uh, but it's funny, like, if you were a young person now watching this and you're seeing multiple people now reference Megadeth and uh, Goldberg, you have no idea what they're talking about uh, because it's all edited off very badly. Um, I did laugh like a little child at how Hennig came up with the incredible put down of calling him Bill Gold Turd. Ah, just class A... Um, schoolyard name calling. Yeah. Uh, he also it, I don't know if incorrectly or he's trying to go for a bit of a rebrand. Refers to them, uh, his group as the West Texas Outlaws.
2: Yeah, may- maybe the redneck thing wasn't popular with the guys. I don't know, but I mean, I just referred to them as the rednecks. So. Yeah,
1: um, he calls Goldberg out, sets the challenge for Nitro. Uh, Chase comes out. He overpowers Henning a couple of times early. Uh, (laughs) I love the tone of surprise in Mike Tenet's voice that Chase was capable of doing a hip toss. Um, We then find out that Mickey J is from Malene, Illinois. Uh, Larry takes the opportunity to call him fat again on commentary. I don't know what the fuck his thing with Mickey J is, but... It's the second time in the last month he's just fucking called him fat on commentary.
2: Just, just fat shaming him for no reason. Larry, Larry's just an asshole. I don't know. Um, yeah. uh, uh, I
1: was it, just going to say. In a much better Larry moment, he does refer to 4 by 4 as the human hummer though. And I love that. Um,
2: what What's your thoughts on Chase Tatum? Because to me, he is, alongside Conan, one of the worst wrestlers
1: in this company. Imagine if Mark Jindrak was four times worse. That's what you're like, because he's got he's got the look. Like, he's got the look of, if this guy could go, he would be a world champion. I, I think... But he is... He looks like he just found out before he came out that he has limbs. Like, I
2: don't think he can sell at all.
1: Oh, God, no. Oh... Oh god, his selling is so embarrassing. It's it's like again, I like I, I, like Conan, you, you drew the comparison with Conan. Conan is fucking Misawa compared to this guy. Like in terms of in terms of wrestling. Conan moves in slow motion and
2: like doesn't register things properly. Chase Tatum has no idea
1: what he's doing no and Conan in spite of his many limitations which we go into detail quite frequently about in this show one thing we will never take away from him is that guy can still work a crowd even when he's just not doing it physically
2: oh I mean look up until like 2004 the guy was still over in Teen probably 2005 Um, the guy was still able to get over but like Kurt Henning I, I don't know how he just didn't fucking walk out on this match yeah. Like Tatum is the guy we referred to earlier on, cannot take a snapmare bump. And then when he yeah. does go over I mean it's Court Henning, everyone knows, snapmare, neck snap. That that's what you do. Yeah. And Tatum literally just rolls to his knees. And how Court Henning just doesn't fucking kick the shit out of this guy. Yeah. He just everything he just refuses to sell he doesn't like he does this kind of drunk stumble thing and every time henning either puts him on the ground or knocks him down or whatever he instantly springs back to his feet and starts throwing body blows
1: that's his idea of selling yeah. could you please explain to me because i watched it twice and i still couldn't understand what was happening in this submission spot
2: i i think this was when Henning's frustration really, really reached boiling point because Henning just really snaps on a kind of leg like knee bar style move and yeah. Chase Tatum decides that this would be the ideal spot to do a crossface
0: yeah. it's the
2: only way I can describe his hands are locked his hands are kind of intertwined over Henning's eyes
1: but he's directly behind him yeah. as well so he's just like it's do you know what it's almost like it's almost like a a, like a camel clutch while he's lying on his side. Like we we just did that the, the Musi mixtape, and you were raving over
2: um, was it Funaki and Nakano that did the dueling knee bars? Yes, and how both guys were just like fuck you, my knee bars better than yours. Yeah, this was not that.
1: This was. He didn't know what he was doing, and Kurt Hennig was so overwhelmed by how bad this guy was, he needed a minute to think. Uh, <laughs> so they both grabbed each other and just sat there. Like I, I
2: genuinely mean this. Kurt Henning has all my respect in the world for not just trying to fucking boot <laughs> this guy in the head.
1: Uh, yeah, I, Chase. It's. A, I was just kind of got to say, it
2: has to be like just so frustrating to be a Kurt Henning and like the history he has in the business. And to be put in the ring yeah. with a guy like this, on TV, yeah,
1: yeah, it's it, it's real bad. Um, Chase hits a power slam. Hennig knocks Chase out. Uh, the seconds then start to brawl awkwardly. Uh, Swole then gets in, and Jesus Christ, you want to talk about like, <laughs> like trying to make uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit? Like then you have Swole coming into the clearing, and Swole... Does the biggest telegraphed I'm gonna give you a heart punch ever? Like <laughs> Kurt Hennig has about 10 years to move out of the way of this heart punch. Uh, he hits Chase, uh, Kurt Hennig hits the Hennig plex on Chase and wins. And I was kind of personally upset by the inference that Kurt Hennig needed an assist to beat Chase yeah. Tatum can we now
2: like finally talk about how the no limit soldiers are fucking dead as an act?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I'll let you talk about that. But the one point I want to make is Kurt Hennig in this match is maybe the one time I'll ever say this about a WCW wrestler, whatever he was being paid, it wasn't enough.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I can agree on that one for sure. Um, yeah, no, look, I think the no limit soldiers were kind of dead on arrival. As soon as he started feuding with the, the uh, rednecks, because the rednecks got so over that they should have been pushed as faces. So, yeah. like, feuding with the rap guys in, you know, Southern America was never going to work. And, like, look, Rey Mysterio has already kind of moved away yeah. into his own thing. Um, Conan was not ringside with these guys. It w- Master P is nowhere to yeah, be found. Yeah, it was B.A., Swole 4x4 and Chase I'm sorry that's a Saturday night fucking team
1: the No Limit Soldiers B team like yeah and it's like a month into the run yeah I would actually take the NWO B team over them oh listen
2: Horace Hogan is fucking Kenta Kobashi compared to any of these
1: guys (laughs) I love that we've hit two of the four pillars in this one segment (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> great bit <laughs> Scott Norton is Toshiaki Kohad <laughs> Vincent and oh no, I can't do
1: it uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah yes <laughs> sick, <laughs> sick boy the Tawei. somebody <laughs> yeah
2: somebody will get real mad if we compare somebody to tau <laughs> yeah um Oh, oh man, so shit.
1: Hell. Um so uh we then get another segment of uh Lenny and Lodi, they're hiding backstage from Sid. I did laugh at the they asked Jimmy Hart for advice, <laughs> Jimmy Hart says to have a Doctor ringside because he's gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> that was good. I like that.
2: Why didn't Jimmy try and recruit them um, to his first family?
1: I or for another hardcore invitational, who's to say? Um I, I I could have actually stood to see if the skit with Lenny and Lodi had been, they do it for about 10 seconds at the start of this, like Scooby-Doo style, Um, Sid Vicious is looking for them backstage and they're popping in and out of doors. That would have been very good comedy.
2: Yeah, I think Lenny learned a lot from Jericho. He just didn't learn enough for his backstage yeah, skits. Yeah.
1: Sadly, we get a, a triad flashback and this uh, leads up to the a, a triad flashback several segments before the triad are involved in anything. So another just we're putting this in to pad out in between matches. Um, Our next tag team match. uh, I was like, oh, boy, uh, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio versus Hoovy and Psychosis. Lovely stuff. OK, so.
2: This is uh, we had a, an instance of this couple of weeks ago as well. This was the best thing on the show and still very disappointing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those where they're leaving stuff on the table. They're not going as hard uh, as they could. They did. They don't get the time they should. But still, while we have it, it was very enjoyable, especially relative to the rest of like, the show.
2: It feels like they went out there and they were told literally at the curtain. OK, you've got four minutes. Or, like it, it doesn't go long. No. It goes. It begins, we go to a break, they come back and it ends within, I want to say, like two, two and a half minutes after yeah. the break.
1: And, and you want to talk about like the crowds are telling WCW that they've happened upon something here. Mm-hmm. The reaction that Eddie and Ray together are getting should have been a like warning sirens going off that there's money to be made here. And yes, like
2: we we just came from a flashback where we're getting a Harlem Heat tease, and you have Psycho and Hoovy who are doing nothing at the moment, who absolutely could have ruled as a tag team. Yeah, and Eddie and Ray. I mean,
1: what are we doing here? You keep both of them together as long term tag teams, and you give them. Each like a little bit of a push, and you've got a very fun tag division, like revitalized. Throw them right there. in
2: alongside uh, Saturn and Melenko. All these guys yeah.
1: can work. That's some good shit, and that's keeping everybody happy and busy mm-hmm. as well. And on your TV, um, so there's some nice chain wrestling early from Hoovy and Ray. Eddie tags in. Uh, he does uh, a cool like uh, helps. Ray leapfrog the ropes to do an acai moonsault to Psychosis uh, on the outside as we go through a break. Um, when we come back, Psychosis has the heat on Ray. Uh, big face buster from Ray and a hot tag. And one of the, like, look, I, I we have about a hundred different ways across the run of this podcast. Praise Eddie Guerrero. And we are going to do as much of it as possible for the rest of 99 while we've still fucking got him on the show. But... uh one of the things I don't think we've talked about yet, usually Saturn is the guy we rave about for hot this. Tag Eddie. Eddie Guerrero, great hot, hot tag, tag guy. guy. Even
2: in this little match, I like literally my notes are hot tag Eddie rules. Like he just he yeah. just comes in and is fucking a ball of fire. He just nails anything that moves and the crowd are yeah. like,
1: they're into this. Ed, like Eddie, Eddie hasn't yeah. made a face for what, three years at this point. Uh, yeah, and they were trying to keep him a heel when he came back, but, like, he was just too over. Yeah,
2: the the, the whole, like, after the, the post-LWO thing and his, um,
1: was it the car crash he had that put him out? Yeah, he came back from the car crash and he was the LWO yes, hunter. that's what it was, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like the fans are into Eddie. The, the Sakuraba of <laughs> the... B- oh, here
2: we go. <laughs>
1: just work up with his Manny... <laughs>
2: Oh, God, we're going to get in so much trouble if anyone listens to this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> has anybody, I, I, I think I I stand alone as saying we're the only podcast that has inadvertently compared the LWO to the Gracie's. <laughs> um,
2: I don't think that's a comparison that has ever been made and ever will be made ever again.
1: <laughs> I'm proud of that one. Um but there's there's a great spot in here that I think like again if you had if you push this team and you held this off even longer, it's funny because we're we're seeing a version of this like uneasy alliance between former rivals happening on AEW at the moment with Cole and, and MJF. But there's a bit here where, like, we know that the alliance is tentative between these two guys, and you don't need to do a lot to make the crowd go, oh, are they going to turn on each other? Because there's a bit here where Eddie gets cornered after his his House of Fire hot tag, and Ray is trying to save him by doing a big running Superman punch into the corner, but the heels duck out of the way and he hits Eddie. And there's a moment there where the crowd are like, oh... But then the baby faces get back on the same page. They overcome them. Uh Eddie boosts oh, this was a class finish as well. Uh Eddie leapfrogs Ray up to the top rope for the Frankensteiner. Uh it was j like you said, it wasn't they they left a lot on the table. It was disappointing relative to what they could all do, but I still had a great time while it was happening. Yeah,
2: like I said, best thing on the show, but ultimately left me disappointed because I when this match came came on the screen, I was like okay, this is getting at least, like, 15 minutes. And it didn't.
1: You put this on a pay-per-view and give it 20, and that's, like, a, a match of the year candidate in 1999, mm-hmm. surely. To be fair, if this match got
2: three more minutes, it probably would have been a 1999 match of the year contender. In, in, in Harkam, yeah, it, yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't well, I mean, a great year. It's not been a high year. bar,
1: is it? <laughs> no. And no. speaking of... Great year for business, not a great year for professional wrestling. And speaking
2: wrestling. of not great, this next segment...
1: Oh, boy. Um, So Savage comes out with Miss Madness and Gorgeous George. And Gorgeous George, I don't know how you'd describe it, but it's like the most impractical outfit she's had yet. Like, we've had a lot of Team Madness in outfits where they better not take bumps or something is going to explode. Uh, And this is one where it's like, well, George had better not be getting physically involved here because... There was, like, duct tape and hope that was was all that was holding this outfit together. even getting into the ring was
2: probably a stretch for um,
1: what she was uh, wearing. Um, She she had one of uh, Buff Bagwell's enormous top hats. Yes, a umbrella. Yeah. And I thought it was a cane at first, and I was like, do you know what? Like, if she was doing a, a... Nerdy references. If she did like a Zatanna gimmick in nineteen ninety nine. It probably would have looked good with Savage, but that's not what she I was going for. I think it was like a her.
2: Cruella de Vil style thing, because she, like the yeah, maybe she had the, like the the dalmatian spots. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Like, there was very little clothing involved. That's all I can say. Yeah. This is mu- this is much more like this was almost trying to overcorrect for how p- professionally they treated the women in the match where it's like okay now the dads need something mm-hmm. to ogle at is is the ver- very much the tone of, of how this segment came off. Um so I we are reminded that Randy Savage had promised he's running for president so he says that everyone's going to vote for him in November and then he lays out the challenge to Rodman um for uh, Sturgis uh, he then alerts us that uh he officially fired Medusa uh, demonstrating that he's not afraid to make a decision um he congratulates Miss Madness uh, on her match earlier but then strips her of her Miss Madness title saying that there will be another competition for a new Miss Madness he says that she's been causing confusion in his matches because he is the center of the universe and then Lee again, very dodgy menacing man belittling a woman and cornering her i did not like no, this
2: um, like i don't want to say he puts his hands on her because he like very lightly cups her chin but it's like yeah it's it's not good and like you say it's menacing and intimidating and he makes her
1: beg yeah Yeah, get down on your knees and beg. He's doing the he's yeah, he's holding your chin to do the look at me Mm -hmm. when I'm talking to you kind of thing. Like it's God, it's not good. It's It's not not good. And again, you would think after the, the the send for the man that they would be trying to stay away from this as much as possible. But like I'm kind of even for WCW, I'm kind of mouth agape that they're leaning into it.
2: Yeah. Um. Look. Uh, look. Yeah. At least it's it. The act is now down to George and and Savage and we get less of this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Fingers crossed. This. This. His. This part of his character winds down because it's it's just not good. It's yeah, not good. Actually, actually, uh, he fires question. Mona. I don't know this, and I haven't
2: looked it up, and I don't recall it happening. Do we get a blow off to the
1: Miss Madness Medusa feud? Um, I can check that for you now. Um, it's not something I necessarily recall, but then again, like you know, like we've outlined, it's not like WCW put that much of an emphasis on their wrestling. Um, so we go to uh, Molly Holly's matches. Go all the way back to nineteen hundred and ninety-nine. Jesus, this makes me feel old now. So we're in July now, hour. aren't we? Um So I don't see <laughs> Okay. I see they have a singles match in 2000 on Worldwide. They have... Um, the. Oh, sorry. They do have a blow-off, Lee. They have a New York evening gown match in October. I, sorry? Sorry? A New York evening gown in October. match. And you may... You may say, oh, obviously they were in New York for that show. No, Philadelphia.
2: But it's Um, it's in in October and it's called a New York Evening match. I wonder who's arrived in the company. Yeah,
1: I know, right? (laughs) Uh, Speaking of which, the only other time they come face to face uh, that actually, sorry. Oh, my God. I think we might need to quit the show, Lee. (laughs) they wrestled two more times in 1999 both in December both the same week on Thunder so we do definitely have to watch this match it's the incredibly strange team of Evan Courageous and Medusa versus Mona and Jeff Jarrett okay
2: Evan Courageous and Medusa were a thing and feuded for a while and then we're a team together. Yes, I remember that. Yes,
1: because, well, because yes, because four days later. We have a world cruiserweight title number one contendership triangle match: Medusa versus Evan, courageous versus Mona.
2: I have no memory of Mona being involved in that. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Where? Where does Jeff? You know what? We'll get to it.
1: <laughs> we, yeah, unfortunately, we'll, we'll get to it. you're right about we'll that. Um, Medusa is also involved as a special guest referee twice in Mona versus Rhonda Singh matches in 2000.
2: Yeah, because I think Medusa goes through a stage where she's a referee as well.
1: Yeah. Good shit, man. Good shit. WCW. I I definitely I definitely so have the,
2: memories the... of Medusa as a referee, so I'm pretty sure that's a thing that happens. Like for a couple of weeks, I think I yeah. think Russo makes her a ref or something.
1: So, if you want to call the New York Evening gown match a blow off, I don't. I don't want to call it that, Dave. (laughs) Because if you call waiting three months and then doing that as a match that's like I said, like two minutes long, a blow off. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, I would say no, they don't blow off. I'd
2: say somebody blew off watching that match, and bro.
1: It's wild, though, that, like, you would think, like, and you would be right to think that, like, a logical company, you shoot the angle where they turn on each other. They both get fired, so they've got heat with each other because they've lost their spots because of each other. And now Mona is wrestling on TV, obviously, to get her reps, you would assume, for a match with Medusa.
2: And it just doesn't they happen. just did a flashback of their feud. Yeah. That was
1: fucking WCW, man. Do you want to cheer yourself up by talking about the World Television Title Match, Lee? Rick Steiner versus Six? Yeah, Boy. it was short. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like a minute and a half long. So that there's that. Um, Rick started the segment. He was fucking moaning on the microphone for longer than he was wrestling. Uh, he challenged Goldberg as well, and I'll tell you. What a fucking stack of challengers Goldberg has in front of him at the moment. Biggest star
2: in the company, let's put him at Kurt Hennig and Rick Steiner.
1: Yeah. Kurt Hennig, who you may recall, Lee, he was feuding with in uh, very early Thunder episodes. Like, as soon as Hennig arrived, he was picking a fight with Goldberg when he was... I think he was still US champion at this point? Uh,
2: No. It was...
1: Oh, was it before? Or was he already ch- world champion? Yeah,
2: a little, a little, uh, he, Henning was the first world title challenger. They had, Henning, Henning had lost like multiple times at this point already to Goldberg.
1: Okay, so this is like, this is their third feud in a year yeah, and a half. basically. If, if they go there I, right, I think right, Henning
2: right was his feud right before he won the US title.
1: And look, if I'm Goldberg, I'm not complaining. Like you've got even a washed Kurt Hennig is an easy night at the races oh, for you,
2: absolutely. And Hennig like wouldn't have an ego when it comes to, yeah, just yeah. let
1: so once it's, it's safe it and doesn't
2: hurt, great.
1: Yeah, if the other option is wrestle Rick Steiner, I'm I'm going at Kurt Hennig a hundred times. You know, to to be fair, um, I have
2: some morbid curiosity to see Goldberg no sell Rick
1: Steiner. Yeah, yeah. And if Rick tries any of his shit with Goldberg.
2: Because I think if there was one person that was beyond being fucked with by the Steiners.
1: Well, it was it was Tank Abbott and Goldberg. Yeah. Legitimate tough guys. Um, so, La- Larry had a good line in here during Rick's entrance where he says, if you got bitten by Rick Steiner, you'd need an awful lot of antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> Which I laughed at. Uh, sick boy in his new look looking like fucking K-Mark Dolph Ziggler uh his slick back dyed blonde hair and tiny silver jocks don't care for it uh it look there's no point in going move by move it's a minute and a half it's the typical rick steiner match he takes liberties with a guy roughs him up even though sick boy was cooperating with him there was no need to rough him around like that steiner bulldog and a win it was absolute shite yeah I, I, i
2: literally i don't care about rick steiner
1: Again, we, we talk about, as we did during his last match. We enjoy hard-hitting physical matches. Uh, we enjoy matches where sometimes the, the the difference between real and fake gets a bit blurred. There is nobody who gets less heat from actually stiffing dudes in professional wrestling than Rick Steiner. It's incredible. Um, and I genuinely,
2: um, like, did this TV title in 1999... Has just been had an awful existence, yeah.
1: Uh, and then you pair that as well with like it's, it feels like every week now, before we record this podcast, there's more reminders to be like Rick Steiner's yeah. a terrible human being, yeah. So it's not even like ah, you know, he was going through a bad patch, but he turned out to be a good guy. No, he was awful then, and he's awful and now. You, you now also
2: have the the WWE fans reckoning on. Oh well, WWE knew not to use the Steiner name.
1: Yeah, fucking morons. Fuck off. Yeah. Anyway, um, speak. Speaking of get, moronic, uh, <laughs> we get a promo for Berlin. Yes, I, I
2: like. Like, how can you describe this?
1: <laughs> it was very much. Like, did you get the Because fi- it's using like historical archival footage from 1989. The the strong inference that uh, Alex Wright ended the Cold War uh, exists in this promo. Uh,
2: I mean, I've always believed historically it was David Hasselhoff and Alex Wright mm-hmm. that brought down the wall.
1: Da- dancing atop the uh, atop Berlin Wall like Kimono Wanalea <laughs> We'll all remember the night <laughs> that Hasselhoff and Alex Wright danced atop the Berlin Wall.
2: Shirtless. The pair of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Hoff, brother. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> I mean, even the, the, the slogans that flash up on the screen make no sense in the context of this.
1: It's... It's like it was like a graphic from Brass. <laughs> it just like it felt like a fucking parody. I, I tell you if
2: WCW could have got Phil Collins put over Berlin, I'd have been into uh, it. Yeah, look
1: I would have. Um there.
2: yeah, like if like like you say you have all this historical footage of the wall being knocked down and you just get these like yeah. was it no victory? Like as in K N O W yeah. No victory. No defeat, as in N-O defeat. And then Berlin.
1: That's it. Yeah. Yeah. How long would you say before Berlin debuts from now? Uh, Six weeks. You almost have a bang on. Yeah. So this is the 22nd of July, isn't it? Uh, and he debuts on the 12th of September. He debuts. And he's Ball repackaged
2: Road. in October. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he. Uh... Are we got No, we get to be fair. We get like Berlin. I, I suppose he's still Berlin. But the Berlin. Berlin is getting tweaked repeatedly for a while. Um. Until I think the first appearance of the wall in competition is in November. Um, but there's some there's some real bangers coming up before then. I'll isn't, tell you, and we do get a good Berlin yeah. and um.
2: What what's Dustin Rhodes' creepy pedo uh, seven? Seven. <laughs> Aren't are those gimmicks like in around the
1: same time? Um. God, when does the seven thing happen? Um. Is it? It must be. It 99, is. Now. Is it? It is, isn't it? God, it's. I have it. I have it so blocked out in my head. Um, I'm so. I'm so heartbroken at the idea we're going to eventually have to talk about that. Uh, yeah. So he returns on November eighth.
2: Yeah. So they they just miss crossing over paths.
1: I love Wikipedia The character was dropped after Turner's standards and practices expressed concern that the gimmick could be misinterpreted as a child abductor. I mean... <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, a child abductor is probably... I don't know where the, where the, on the misinterpretation will be. <laughs> I'd be far more worried that people were interpreting it wasn't abducting he was planning on doing to the children. Oh, man. And people blame
2: standards and practices for the fucking downfall of this company.
1: Yeah. There wasn't you know. enough of them if you ask me, um, anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's your Berlin promo. Uh we get a flashback to the the alliance possibly forming between Kevin Nash and Rick Steiner. Uh then we get I think one of my favourite characters in professional wrestling is Nyquil Nash phoning into Thunder instead of actually being there. Oh no, he was there, he was backstage, he just couldn't mean Ars making an entrance. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Like I suppose, quote unquote, not there. He was allegedly at a bar in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm-hmm. He's uh he's asking somebody to put lime in his drink in the background. He's challenging Sting and Hogan versus him and a mystery partner. And he says, Lee, this is a mystery partner I've known for nine years, and I'm talking to him right in now. In a bar. Do you know who do you know who the mystery well, partner is? I know is? he's teasing Scott Hall. Yes, it's Sid, <laughs> who is distinctly not in Scottsville. <laughs> See, okay, so Scottsdale. Even sorry, he's in the next match. <laughs> he,
2: he like he says he's backstage. Like before he does the mystery partner thing, he says he's like with a good friend of his that he's known nine years. I was fully yeah. prepared for
1: him to say it's Rick Steiner, despite the fact that Rick Steiner was in the segment before. Yeah, they show you the thing to make you, like... I, I Rick Steiner would have made more sense because they show you the video. And yes, you're right that he's clearly implying it's Scott mm-hmm. Hall. Right? He's trying to make you think it's Scott Hall. But at least after the video and after what happened in Nitro, if next week it's Rick Steiner that shows up at the mystery partner, you're at least like, that makes sense. Because Sid Vicious makes no sense at all. Well, apart from the fact that... Um... Sting and
2: Sid are feud.
1: Yeah, no, that, yeah, in as much as, like, let's just stick him with the guy he's feuding with. But I don't know why it has to be a mystery partner that's a mate of. No, it literally should have just been, um, yeah, Hogan, you
2: get Sting, I've got Sid.
1: Yeah. But he, like, he's so, um, shall we generously say, sleepy on this phone call that um, he's just not putting it over in a way that's exciting whatsoever. Um, he says he doesn't like this idea of Hogan all of a sudden coming back and being Mr. Night guy, nice Guy. He says he's going to drop him like a bad habit. Um, then we get um, what I think is exactly what a squash match should be, Lee. Two on one handicap match. Lenny Lane versus Lo- and Lodi versus Sid Vicious. Um, the cowards are immediately I, killed. Extremely quickly. I, I
2: think you need to get into the habit of saying Lodi and Lenny Lane. Because, of course, they are brothers. So it'd be very unfair to say oh, Lenny right, Lane yes. and Lodi.
1: Lenny Lane, Lenny Lane and Lodi yes. Lane. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. This, this is perfect. Sid so hits a couple of moves. Wins. Yeah, there's Cobra Cuts on Lenny. Uh, Lodi eats a power bomb, and then he's just like, "Fuck, I'm gonna power bomb Lenny as well." And then, like, Lenny leaps on, leaps on top of, of Lodi to defend him in sixty nine position. Would you believe? Yeah. Um, and Sid does a one foot stacked pin on them. I-, I like it. It was a perfect squash, apart from the gay yeah, panic. I, I like it, so it's
2: fine.
1: Yeah. Uh, then we get the uh, the fla- another flashback. Uh, Flair and his pals screwing Dean on Nitro, which leads us into our main event, which is uh, Dean Malenko versus Ric Flair with Asia. Um, this felt like it was going to go longer than it did, Lee, and and it starts off. Um, teasing the idea that there might be like a flash finish because uh pretty much right after the bell dean nearly locks in the cloverleaf um but what did you i suppose without going hugely back and forth on the on the play-by-play on this match because i I don't think it was anything special personally um what did you think of this this is like our first attempt this is our, our first uh a chance to maybe see evil flair get some comeuppance
2: Yeah, it's like it, it, the match was fine. Like you said, it's nothing to write home about. I don't get this sense, apart from other than it being in a match with somebody he's been feuding with, that this is any different than when Flair was in charge. Like
1: there was there was one spot that I thought was a very clever bit of storytelling, and that's where he tries intimidate to Mickey. intimidate Mickey J. And the commentators do a really good job of putting over. It's like, oh. It's not his man in the ring anymore, so he can't just push referees around and tell them what to do now. So I thought that was a very good show of how his 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 safety has been taken away from him, and you know, we might finally get to see a just finish in one I of these matches. I did have a funny thought watching this match. So Okay. In
2: nineteen ninety nine and two thousand, Rick Flair well, 98 and 99, Ric Flair very much surrounds himself with Ben Ma, Malenko, Arne, um Like, he wrestles a very small number of people. DDP. Like, he kind of, his feuds are very repetitive. Piper is in and out. It's funny to me that then when he gets to the WWF, all of a sudden he's Shawn Michaels and Triple H's best friend. And yeah. in an, I was just thinking, like, in an alternate universe, is Ric Flair not not so much remembered differently within WWE's history, but mm. would it be a thing of he wouldn't be lauded as much if he just remained kind of loyal, shall we say, to the Benoit's and the Malenko's of the world?
1: Yeah. That's an interesting one. Like, cause the the thing I suppose that that got him a lot of of cred when he he made the jump as well is like him being a, a hero of Triple H's. So I think even if maybe he hadn't been all buddy buddy, the fact that like the the top guy, one of the top guys in the company, is like a um, massive yeah mark like for the, Flair. Uh, obviously, it helped that Triple
2: H wanted to do his all NWA stint, and he had his like Harley run in two thousand three and. He wanted Flair God,
1: to don't don't fucking talk to me about Flair that, to it. be his
2: JJ and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, it was just I was just watching. I was like, it, it's it kind of just dawned on me just how surrounded Flair was by his friends in the company, yeah. and that when Saturn Malenko, Dean, and Eddie left,
1: Flair actually lost a lot of allies. Yeah. And, like, we will be chronicling for the next two years nearly on on this podcast how, like, it's already kind of being stamped out of him a little bit. But, like, he has remarked himself many times about how by the end of WCW, he just didn't, he didn't know who Ric Flair was anymore. And he didn't have a passion for wrestling anymore. Um. And they've definitely done a lot of work towards, like, towards that already by ninety nine. But let me tell you, guys, there are some doozies coming, up. Yeah, coming up. We haven't even gotten to the desert yet. I'm looking forward to that. on like, I, uh, I don't know, maybe
2: it's more, again more with curiosity. I just, I'm kind of looking forward to just how they just come back from that.
1: I'm I'm really excited for this period of t- that period of time as well, because like, as we've chronicled on the podcast, is like the further we get into this, the less you've actually yes. seen in it in their in like entire angles and the more I've seen. So I'm going to start enjoying myself more as time goes on and you're going to start enjoying yourself a lot less. <laughs> and I, I'm I'm personally going to be very happy about that. You, you like to see me suffer? What can you say? and not and myself not suffer as well that's a key part of the equation here um so um after the the flare begging mickey j spot um flare is doing the like hiding behind asia as a human shield thing uh, a couple of times he goes for a sucker punch but um dean thinks fast and nearly rolls him up but asia is still distracting mickey j um so dean gets the visual pin but not the actual pin uh, Malenko hits a clothesline, which, like Larry, is really uh eager to point out, isn't something you see from Malenko that much. Throwing a lariat. And I'm like, okay, it's not something I'd ever noticed him do or not do. So you, you do you, Larry, whatever. Um, Flair gets annoyed now and tries to bail. Dean is giving chase, but uh, Perry and Benoit in their dress casual wear. Um, come out and cut him off at the ramp. The triad then come out and attack Benoit and Perry, but crucially not DDP yet. Uh, Dean knocks down Asia, another woman getting uh bumped by a man on WCW programming again. Brilliant stuff, well done, lads. Um, and as that happens, DDP finally makes an appearance, runs straight into the ring. Malenko has the cloverleaf relief in on Flair. Uh, DDP attempts to cut her, but um, Dean stuffs it. Bumps him into Asia. Asia bumps again off the apron and Flair rolls up Dean. Um, The one thing I will say about this finish is, Lee, this wasn't a taped Thunder. So where the fuck was Shane Douglas?
2: Yeah, I... I I was watching, I was like,
1: I noticed
2: this Thunder wasn't taped the week, though. Why did they have the hot debut and then all of a sudden he's not there for his guys? It made no, no sense. Yeah, because,
1: like, now I know they didn't do you know what I mean, they didn't refresh the Thunder audience's memory by showing Shane's debut. So maybe I should have inferred from that, that they had no intention of him coming out. But having just watched the Nitro and knowing that he's part of this group now, and hearing him heavily imply that he was coming after Flair. Like, your mind immediately puts two and two together and is like, okay. So, uh, all the heels are, are you know, uh, beating up Shane Douglas's buddies. This is the exact moment where you want Shane Douglas to get, like, physical for the first time. Make the run in, save, baby faces, stand tall, even if Flair is after getting the roll-up win. And it just doesn't happen. The heels win, stand triumphant, and we go off the air. Yeah,
2: it, it just fucking, I don't want to say cutting it off before it gets going, but yeah. Um I know on Nitro because we had a bit of confusion about which Nitro to watch that we do get a Shane Douglas segment where he calls out Flair. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Um but yeah, it just seems like a yeah, misdemeanor. It's, uh, it's like
2: they, they had to, the beginning uh, point to Nitro. And then they went, Oh well on yeah. Nitro he's gonna do this and they booked Malenko versus Flair as a way to continue the Flair has no power. And then just totally skipped over the bit where it's, well, these guys are the revolution now, so they should be a fully formed unit. They should all be together.
1: Yeah. And it would have been a great way of showing people why you have to tune into Thunder as well, because you'll miss mm-hmm. key elements of a story. Um, But it's, yeah, it's the classic. What WCW actually would do in practice is they would hold anything important off until Nitro. leading you conditioning the audience that like nothing of any import ever happens on thunder does it really um (laughs) i mean look all i'm saying is there's only one show where david arquette won the world title and it ain't no nitro sure we'll always have that first we'll always have that um anyway that's that's the end of this particular episode of thunder lee what did you think of the show overall and who are your winners and losers
2: uh the show overall it was a kind of a nothing show it wasn't bad i didn't struggle to get through it but like it was just a kind of a show that existed um and they're they're the shows that we've talked about before they're kind of the hardest to to talk about um it's like, yeah. stuff happened, but nothing happened. Um, I don't know. I think the, the the big winners of the show were Ray and Eddie. I thought they just instantly, well, we know they have great chemistry, but just like we said, the crowd were into them right from the get-go. Um, Miss Madness, I thought, had a very mm-hmm. good match outing, like a very good uh, single match. Um, Crowd were into her and it was just unfortunate that the last we see of her is the the Man segment um biggest losers yep. yeah oh god I don't know us for having to watch Chase Tatum <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah
2: actually I'll, I'll the, the biggest losers the No Limit Soldiers what a fucking nothing that group is
1: yeah uh I'll co-sign as well that yeah, it is one of those middle of the road thunders where there's not like so like stuff that's so bad I'm I'm angry about it. But it, it was a very watchable show. Like it was one of the easier ones to watch in one sitting that we've had lately. Um so there is that. Like nothing was egregiously bad, but then it's not a thunder that even by episode 73 I'm going to remember. Um so yeah, there's that too right uh one last bit of business and that's the finish counter brought to you by ludwig borger which has seven matches on this show five clean finishes surprisingly high number uh, and two with interference leading directly to a finish thank you very much for listening to another episode of days of thunder and uh, we'll see you again in one week on patreon in two weeks on the free feed here at voices of wrestling uh Until then, stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. To keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us, you can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore seven one three. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. <laughs>
2: I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AEW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and, of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Yovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to
0: 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients,